Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. God, I'm aware of your nearness. I'm aware of your nearness and what you want to do in the house today. I've listened and I've prayed and I've seen and I've walked and I've prayed and I've listened and I've seen and I've walked and I've prayed and I just am so aware of your intention. You're a covenant-keeping God. You make covenant promises and you invite us to participate in this in second chronicles the seventh chapter and the 14th verse we're all familiar with this passage of scripture but it is real if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. If my people will turn from their wicked ways. What? A scripture. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Our God keeps his promises. Our God keeps his promises. And we have prayed, and we have prayed, and we have prayed some more. We've had more prayer meetings in this room than actual services. And it doesn't matter if the room's full at prayer meeting or not. I will just tell you, Wednesday night, something new was released in the room. And I don't even know how to put my finger on it, except I know that God walked in. And I I came uh, to the church, to the empty facility yesterday, except it wasn't that empty because I walked in this room without any lights on and the same brooding presence of the Lord was still in the room. And I just have this sense that... Revival is here. I have this sense that revival is here. It's no longer something that we prophesy that is coming, but it is here. Revival is here. The presence of God is here. I want to read some things to you. Um, 
when we were at the conference, Michael Miller held up a book and uh, uh, was, began to read some from it. He said, I read this book every year. And it's a book written by Rick Joyner. Any of you have heard of Rick Joyner before? And he has a book called The Apostolic Ministry. And I just want to read some portions that he read to us that night. Is that all right? I want you to pay attention to this first statement. There is more power in a single Christian than in all of the armies on the face of the earth. I want to let that settle in. I want to say it again. I want you to hear. I believe this with all of my heart. There is more power in a single Christian than in all of the armies on the face of the earth. This truth will become known throughout the earth before the end of this age. God dwells in his people. And when his people come to know this as living truth rather than doctrine, the world will then know this truth also. I, 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 I want to repeat it because I want you to get it. God dwells in his people. And when his people come to know this as living truth rather than doctrine, the world will then know this truth also. There is more power in a single Christian than in all of the armies on the face of the earth. I want you to begin to grasp this idea, this truth that is coming to the church. This reality, it's always been, it's always been a truth, but his people are stepping into the season of, of revealed truth so that we can function as mighty warriors of the kingdom. I heard the Lord say to me this, this week, I was trying to prepare a sermon and he kind of wouldn't let me prepare a sermon. He said, I want you to go after miracles. I don't know what... I don't know what the needs are in the room, except I know I heard the Lord say, I want you to go after miracles. I can speak, I can speak for myself. I've been dealing with uh, this, it's called frozen shoulder for, since we moved into this building. Uh, I lifted a box that, you know, that big table back that's in the kitchen where all those little toddlers sit in it. I loaded that box before we put that table together by myself on a trailer out of my garage, right? I know. I shouldn't have ever tried it, but I did something in my shoulder, and so I've been having this pain in my shoulder for almost a year. 
And so my range of motion is limited. It's like, you see me worshiping and this arm is active. This arm, this, I'm really, and it's like, and the thing is I'm having such a struggle with this arm and it angers me because I just can't wait for the miracle to break out so that I can demonstrate Sean, what about your shoulder? I, I, there was a, a rotator cuff surgery, and just look at this. This is not supposed to happen. This arm is not supposed to move like this. So, I want to talk about it a little bit, all right? So, I want to, I, I, I believe, I'm going to, I'm going to channel Catherine Coleman, I believe in miracles. I grew up in a home where mom and dad, it was scary. Mom and dad were scary. They were people that knew the Lord in a great prayer life. They would tell us not to do things and then they would leave and then we would start doing the things they told us not to do. And my mom would call up on the phone. It was usually my brother, Bobby. I was always the good one. Bobby, I know what you did. So, and it lasted, it lasted. I remember when we were adults out of the house and my sister and my brother and I lived in Nashville at the time. And so I had to go out of town for something, but my sister and my brother and a couple of friends, my brother's wife, Michelle, and I'm just telling the story. And so I'm out of town. So I think, I think this probably would have never happened had I been there because I was the goody two shoes who never did anything. I may have said a bad word golfing once or a dozen times. <laughs> I quit golfing so I could get control of that. Uh, so I don't pretend to be perfect, but, but I, you know, the thing is I just would not cross certain lines. And so I went out of town for some ministry trip. I can't even remember what it was, why I would be by myself. But my sister and my brother and his wife and a friend who lives in Nashville all went to TGI Fridays. And they all started smoking and drinking in the bar at TGI Fridays in Nashville. And they, you know, the thing is, they know I would have been so angry at them for that because I was so religious. But so my mom calls, I get home, my mom calls and, and, and we're all together. And my, my mom says, I had a dream that Bobby and Michelle and Lisa and this friend were sitting at a restaurant and they were all smoking and they were all drinking. It happened like, the day after, I was like, I, that's why I never want to do anything wrong. Because I was afraid God would tell my mom. And it's funny, but it's a kingdom reality that God speaks to his people. God gives words of knowledge. God allows us to see, and it is a supernatural experience. It's in the realm of the supernatural that these things happen. I remember when I was 13 years old and we, uh, my dad sold his furniture store downtown McKinney and bought a Greyhound bus and we had it renovated. And so there were, uh, 
there was a hall that went down the middle, and beside, uh, on both sides of the wall, there were bunk beds, about, I don't know, eight beds, eight bunk beds for all us kids. And then there was a little bedroom in the back. And I remember on our first trip, we leave McKinney and we drive to, it's north of Chicago, Zion, Illinois. And in that church, in the first revival meeting, I saw the dead raised. And some of you are just kind of like, oh, that happens here all the time. So, you know, it's not a big deal. So there is no, or either that or you don't believe that it happened. So there is no reaction. That was the launch of, even before that, as a child, it, it just miracles, miracles. Miracles were just normal. I, I, I never questioned miracles because I saw them happen in my dad's life all the time. It's a few years ago, Nicole and I are leading worship at a conference and Bill Johnson is speaking and we're leading worship and he's, uh, begins to give testimony about all of the miracles that are breaking out at his church. This is even before Bethel Music became Bethel Music. This was before. But the, the revival and the outbreak of miracles had begun. And they would have staff meetings and the staff would come and they would spend their whole staff meeting giving testimonies about the miracles that happened outside of the church, out in the community that week. I mean, imagine a staff meeting designated just for all the staff to give testimony about the people they laid hands on and prayed for and God healed at the grocery store, at Target, in the public park. There was one teenage girl. There were, so, so there was such an outbreak of miracles. Uh, there was this one teenage girl in the youth group walked to the park. I've told this story early on at Dwell. I don't know how many were here in the beginning, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, she, she, she had seen so much happen at church, so now she's out in the park. And she sees a paraplegic roll up in his wheelchair in the middle of the grass. He has a blanket in his lap, and he lays it down on the ground and he lifts himself up out of the chair and lays down on the ground getting a tan. And this young girl thinks to herself, if it worked for Joshua at Jericho, it'll work for me. So she's, she's, she starts walking this pretty wide circle around this man. He doesn't know what she's doing, but she's just kind of praying under her breath. God, you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, there are no crippled legs in heaven. I declare that this circle I'm walking in is your kingdom. And then she prays it again, and she walks seven times, seven circles. And when she finishes the seventh circle, she walks to the middle, right up to the man, and she yells, you don't need that wheelchair anymore! Scared the guy so bad 
that he jumped up on healed legs to get away from, it's, it's a reaction to the scream from this young, brave girl. And then he realized he's standing up and his hands start shaking. He said, what did you do to me? The man is not even saved. The audacity of God. The audacity of God to heal someone that's not even born again. So she leads him in a sinner's prayer. He goes home without his chair. He walks into his family. Imagine the reaction. The only thing he knows to do is lead them in the same prayer that the girl led him in. And the entire family comes into the kingdom because of the demonstration of the power. There is more power in a single Christian than in all of the armies on the face of the earth. So I'm sitting, listening to testimonies at this conference. There was another one. <laughs> I think this is a pretty funny testimony. Uh, a, a woman and her husband are talking. It's about 10 o'clock at night, and she gets a craving for donuts. So he just hops in the car, drives to the grocery store, Walks in, and he's headed for the donuts, but he sees a woman at the cashier, at the, at the cash register. And she sees, he sees a hearing aid in one of her ears. And he's, he just feels this unction to stop and ask her. So he said, ma'am, ma'am, what's, what's wrong with your ear? And she reaches to the, <laughs> to the other ear and says, I'm about 75% deaf in this ear, and I'm completely deaf in this ear. And he says, well, do you mind if I pray for you? Well, well, sure. So, same kind of theology. God, I declare. I'll just say Kroger. I don't know what the grocery store was there. I declare that Kroger is the kingdom of God. And there are no deaf ears in your kingdom. And I command these ears to be healed. And in an instant, both ears popped open. She starts crying. Ah, ah, this is God. This is God. There's a man right next to her who knows that she was really deaf. He starts crying. This is God. And then the man says, do you mind if I use your little intercom? She goes, here. And he gets on, he says, attention all shoppers. God is at work at cash register number 10. The cashier here has just been healed of deafness. If you need a miracle, come to cash register number 10. People start gathering. They're, they're like, what's, what's going on? What's going on? This woman's having a, a, a reaction, a, an emotional reaction to having her healing. And there's a bit of noise. And there's a man that steps out from the aisle. And he, he kind of walks up. And his hands are a little twisted. And he said, you think God would heal me? It was like uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And he said, well, let's give it a try. This is his response. 
well, let's give it a try. So he prays again, and the man immediately says, my hands are on fire, my hands are on fire. As he's shaking his hands, his fingers straighten out, and he's healed right there at cash register number 10. So I'm listening to these testimonies. I was in Las Vegas. And I'm like, God, I've seen this before. This, this is my inheritance. This is my, I mean, I realize that uh, these signs are supposed to follow them that believe, but particularly in my spiritual DNA through my dad and through my mom, these people that have demonstrated the power of God, this is my inheritance. An inheritance is something that you get that you don't have to work for. You just get to a certain age and then you're giving access. You're given access to an account and you can start withdrawing funds. And so I decided it's time for me to access my account. It was on March the 19th, I don't know how many years ago, 18, 19, 20 years ago, we were living in Nashville and we came to Dallas to visit my mom and dad for their anniversary on the 17th. They were married on St. Patrick's Day. And so we were visiting them and then we were ministering over at Mesquite, Texas with Pastor Danny Wegman. And... uh, I decided I'm going to try. I'm going to try it and see if it works. And and uh, I don't really know if I fully understood what I was about to do, but we're getting ready to start worship. And I and my friend, my pastor, Bishop Joseph Garlington, had taught me nothing happens in the kingdom until you declare it. So I decided at the beginning of this service, I said, while we worship today. Miracles are going to break out and people will be healed in this room while we worship. And then I thought, I went back to the keyboard and I thought for a second, oh God, what if nothing happens? But then something rose up in me and I said to myself, what if something does? So I started playing and Nicole started singing and it went deep fast. Mucus. weepers everywhere. Just, it was like the glory of God came in the room and people just hit the floor on their face and it was just a a beautiful worship experience and I forgot about it. We get ready and I'm handing the service back to the pastor and I didn't even think to like check did anybody get healed. And the pastor, the first thing he said, I want to know did anybody get healed during the worship? And I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. God, 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 God. And there was a man about 65 years old on this side of the building came running from his seat, ran up to the pastor, and he said, when I was 20 years old, I had damaged my rotator cuff and had surgery, three surgeries, and they never could correct it. And at best, I could only move my arm in a 90-degree angle. And he said, but when he said that and started worshiping, I felt a heat in my arm and there something popped. And then he starts swinging his arm like this. And he said, I haven't been able to do this for 40 years. And I was like, one. (laughs) I would tell that testimony 
the very next Wednesday night at home, and there was a man sitting by the soundboard who had injured his knee, and it was swollen. It was three times the size of this, the other knee. And I just gave the testimony. It took me about two minutes. And when I gave the testimony, I was just singing on the worship team. I wasn't even conducting a service. The pastor just turned and said, David, do you have anything to share? And I said, well, let me tell you what happened on Sunday. And when I gave the testimony, this man's knee pops and he's instantly healed. I'm like, what is going on? The very next Sunday, we're in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee at a church. <laughs> and I give the testimony again. And on this side of the church, there's a man in his 40s, damaged rotator cuff. A 17, 18-year-old high school student, football player, damaged rotator cuff. They're not even aware. They came to me at our product table. We were selling CDs after church. They both came to me. At the same time, uh, I gave the testimony. Their shoulders popped, and they were both healed. I've since seen hundreds of shoulders healed. I don't know why. I don't know why it was shoulders. And now I'm, you know, still believing for this miracle. But I think it has something to do with the ark has to be carried on the shoulders. And so God was doing, giving me a prophetic sign that he was healing shoulders so that people could start carrying the ark. He was readying his people to be able to shoulder the burden of the presence of God. Oh, it's in my backpack, Steve. Uh, it's in my office. Will you just bring my backpack to me? How could I forget that? I'll read a little bit here. This is more of what Rick Joyner spoke about in his book. The emerging generation has been infected with the desire for the supernatural. The most popular books, movies, and television shows almost all deal with supernatural powers. Most of these are attempts to attract people to sorcery and other forms of evil. But the Lord is going to use this for his own pleasure. You see, man was created to have fellowship with God, who is a spirit and who is supernatural. Therefore, an innate desire is within every human being for the supernatural. C.S. Lewis said, spiritual nature, like bodily nature, will be served. Deny it food and it will gobble poison. If man is not restored to his right relationship with God, the desire for the supernatural will be filled with the devil's counterfeits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The power he has already given to his church is much greater than anything Satan can duplicate with his counterfeits. When the church awakens to the power that the Lord has given to her, even the wildest imaginations in Hollywood will not be able to compete with the reality that God's people are going to experience. Just as the multitudes flock to Jesus, the multitudes are going to come to the church that walks in what God has given to her. 
the emerging generation must have adventure in their lives. The devil often takes advantage of this need, but God put it there for a reason. The final generations on this earth are going to live the greatest adventure the world has ever known. There is no greater adventure the world has, there is no greater adventure than the true Christian life. And the true Christian life is about to be restored in the earth. We must understand that this will mean the end of the church as it is now. Radical change is coming. And those who are not discerning enough to see it and become a part of it will not survive much longer. This is not a slam against the church as it is, which has been effective in its time and a powerful salt and light in the earth in its generations. The church is also the mother of the great last day ministry, which is soon to emerge. Okay, okay. Y'all just give me a second here. I have to read you this letter. This is, we were, I don't say yes to a lot of invitations on Sunday. Very few. Uh, we, we have a vacation Sunday, and then maybe a couple times a year, we'll say yes to an invitation to come minister. And uh, let me get a drink. This is the reason I said yes, because 11 years ago, we visited this church on a Sunday morning. And I've shared this testimony before, but uh, this past Sunday, uh, an usher came and gave me an envelope with this letter in it. And it was from the man whose life had been affected when we were there. We've been there since, but he, I'm just going to read this, okay? In spring of 2011, my 17-year-old son, Christian Foster, was sick and had large growths on his body in his lymph nodes. From the start, every medical professional we went to was very concerned he had cancer. After multiple tests and weeks of waiting, I got that phone call that set my world upside down. Rare B cell lymphoma cancer. In ancient days, it would be on the same level as leprosy. We were seven minutes from the Navy Pier in Chicago. We were on a road trip to help lift his spirits. I was so distraught, stumbling in doubt and mad at God that I did not travel back with him to Florida. I stayed back with my three oldest children and downward spiraled for three weeks as I did not want to live. Late one evening, I received a call from my wife screaming, saying that our son was healed. She took him to church and a guest speaker 
Pastor David Binion called him out from the stage during worship without any prior knowledge of his condition and asked him what his need was. Then he laid hands on him and prayed. He told him he was healed. I said, put my son on the phone now. I asked, what happened? How do you know you were healed? He said, dad, I recommitted my life to Christ tonight. And when this man prayed for me, I felt the pressure in my growths release. He said, dad, I felt them go down. I felt the healing. I caught the next flight out to go home and still had doubt with a little hope to hang on to. We took him back to his next appointment as they wanted to start rescheduling treatments. I told them we needed to run a new test. I told them what the Lord had done. They were not excited about the, del the delay, but complied. After a few weeks, we could not believe how long it was taking to get the new test results back. So we called in and were told why they had taken more time. They ran multiple new tests over and over with new professionals, and he was now 100% cancer-free. None of the professionals could understand it. I told them again what the Lord had done and to tell everyone involved. We later got confirmation that they all agreed it was an absolute documented miracle. 11 years later, he is still cancer-free. Robert Foster. So I walked into the service. And I saw him standing over on the side, worshiping next to his wife of five years now. And they have a little baby. There was legacy yeah, yeah, yeah. at stake. There was destiny at stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just walked over and I just, the dad just wept through the whole service. And the son was just so much, so full of joy and life. And he just embraced me, and I could feel the life of God in the hug. And I heard the Lord say, go after miracles. Go after miracles. And so that's what I want to do. I believe there are miracles in the room right now. I, I, I believe there are hovering in the atmosphere. Your miracle that is just within grasp, it's within reach. Whatever your circumstances. I believe there's deliverance in the room. I, I, I don't know a lot of churches that even say the word anymore, deliverance, because they've seen uh, crazy things happen. I've been through enough experience with the demonic uh, to, to understand it and, and speak to it and cast it out. So I will tell you, if you're in the room, and you need freedom from a demon, 
I'll tell you right now, we're not going to allow you to scream out and manifest. If you, if you start putting on a spectacle, we'll just have some big guys carry you out of the room because I'm not here to entertain demons. Jesus told them to be silent. I remember in the church when Nicole and I got married, we were led worship one Wednesday night and, and I went and sat down on the side and she was in and a little, some, I think with her mother, a few seats down. And I sat on the end and this girl comes in and she looked at me and she said with this deep guttural voice, Satan is happy. He plays with us. And I just looked at her. I said, shut up. And she jumped up and ran out the door. And, and, and the next thing I know, she's having some kind of manifestation on the parking lot and the police come and arrest her. I, I'm all for deliverance, but I'm not going to, uh, uh, here's, here's the danger of deliverance. You can discern the demonic in someone and you don't just go tackle them down to the ground and cast the devil out because if they don't want to be free, now the demons will be subject to you but if they don't want to be free, the, the word teaches that they, they go and get seven more demons and the state of that person can be worse. So you must discern if the person even wants to be free. But I will just tell you, revival is here. Deliverance is here. Freedom is here. It's not coming, it's here. The miraculous is here in the room right now. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.